Hey everyone, welcome to San Francisco People. This is Frank Garza, and I'm really excited about today's guest, Marcia Galliardi. Marcia is a restaurant columnist, and she created Table Hopper nine years ago. Now, Table Hopper is a weekly newsletter about all the happenings in San Francisco from restaurant and bar openings to chef moves to various other food and wine events happening all across the city. It comes out in an email every Tuesday at 3 p.m. And the tone for Table Hopper is, is a positive one. It's focused on where to eat, what's good, and what's delicious in San Francisco. So we talk about a lot of different things on the podcast today. First, Marcia talks about how did all this happen? What was her journey to becoming a restaurant columnist, and how did she come up with the idea for Table Hopper? We talk about her process for researching and interviewing restaurants. It, it, it's a pretty, pretty tough job. She has to go out to eat six nights per week. Yeah, pretty tough, right? She talks about the relationship she's formed in the restaurant, the food community, and how that impacts her work and sometimes can make it a little bit challenging. And of course, we talk about specific restaurants. Marcia gives me some recommendations uh, through a little game we play. I throw out a situation or a scenario, and then Marcia gives me the perfect restaurant for that situation. Marcia lives in Nopa. She shares her favorite spots in the neighborhood and throughout San Francisco. So let's go talk to Marcia. I'd like to hear more or some about your background, um, where you're from, you know, where you grew up, what your family life was like. And then also, you know, was there anything in that background or upbringing that kind of led you down this like food path? Like maybe your mom was an amazing cook or something like that. Can you just totally. tell me a little bit about, yeah. about that? Uh, so I will just say it flat out. I had a really fortunate, blessed childhood. Um, my parents are incredible people, very close with them. My father is from Southern Italy. He's from Calabria. He came to the States when he was 14. So post world war two and very impoverished area in Italy uh, and is, you know, a classic immigrant self-made story. Uh, my mother, also um, one of three girls raised by my grandmother who raised the three girls on her own and, you know, depression era. So uh, there's a definite frugality uh, that comes from both sides. I grew up in San Mateo. And I have a younger sister, Erica, four years younger than me, and she loves to eat as much as I do. So we, we, we dine out often. Uh, so my mom was a phenomenal cook, is a phenomenal cook. She always cared about making very wholesome food for the family. And I was so fortunate. We have, she would make cracked whole wheat bread for our sandwiches when I was a kid. Uh, we always had persimmon cookies that she would make, and so you, you weren't know, bringing PB and J. No, to, no uh, PB and J, and no frosted animal cookies, which I would try to trade for the persimmon cookies. But people are like those cookies look ugly. I'm like they're actually really good, but I want that pink frosted one anyway. <laughs> so uh, another thing is we always had a garden. Uh, my father loves gardening. My mother loves gardening. We love fresh vegetables, you know, beautiful tomatoes, fruit trees. So as we've moved around in San Mateo, we um, have always had really fresh produce. My mom was going to farmer's markets before they were really what they are now. Mm -hmm. She, she's, she's amazing. Um, and 
the two of them, yeah, they're they're a pretty formidable team in the kitchen. And so uh, dinner time was sacred in our family. When I was even in high school and running cross country, I still had to be home. They would still, well, they would wait and we would have family dinner. And if I was not home for dinner, there had to be a very good reason why I was not going to be home for dinner. Um, hanging out with my friends was not acceptable. You know, I needed to be home. So I, I really respected that structure. Um, some big things that really formed my palate and my life. Uh, I went to UCLA. I was a world literature major. And being a broke student in Los Angeles was incredible. Uh, the array of food that I was exposed to down there was... Um, and those are some of my favorite like food memories, just running around and exploring such a huge landscape and you know, having some of the best Mexican food I've ever had and some really like great dumplings and Vietnamese and going to Koreatown. And uh, so that was an exciting terrain to explore. Um, another really big moment in my life was the third year of college studying abroad in Italy for a year. Uh, I knew when I was applying to schools, if they didn't have a study abroad program in Italy, I didn't apply. And, you know, I told my parents, I said, this is really important to me. I've I really felt my roots and I was, I felt fortunate to have that half that I could really connect with. Like I could go to the farm where my dad was born and be like, wow, I come, half of me comes from here. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I lived in Venice for a year, which was, I mean, to be 19 and 20 years old in Venice. I've never been, but I heard like that's one of people's favorite spots in LA. It's magic. It's magic. And it's not about going there in the summertime and dealing with all those throngs of tourists. It's like being there in the winter and having a city that you walk is Mm -hmm. also to go from Los Angeles, the land of cars to suddenly walking everywhere. It was such a human level. I'll never forget it. And it really taught me a lot about food. Um, we had such small refrigerators, we'd have to go to the, you know, the market every day, basically. You get just what you need. You're like, I just need four eggs. I just need this little piece of meat. I just need that zucchini. So that was a, a unique way to eat. Um, instead of the American, let's go to the grocery store and load up the trunk. <laughs> right. Um, and were you cooking a lot yourself? Like... Um your, your mom it was an amazing cook was is that something you learned growing up and had interest in yes okay. definitely and you know whether we we're making pasta with my dad um, learning how to make things in the kitchen with my mom even though she was still preparing for us but she really taught us a lot about uh, how to make things in the kitchen baking I remember as a younger kid being really interested in it mm-hmm. I think you know kids love it it's like you're measuring things and um, but it's funny I yeah I was I loved cooking even in college um, and then when I moved to San Francisco uh, after finishing school and the Northridge earthquake squeezed me out of LA uh, and then suddenly you moved to this place and you know we're surrounded in food like Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eating is what we do here. But I was in advertising. We'll see. I should back up. I um, I basically, it was hard. In, uh, moving, we'll see. I moved here in 94. Okay. So that was a tough time financially. Like thing, The city was, it was hard to find work. And yeah. uh, I ended up finding a job at a higher education textbook publisher in Belmont, Wadsworth Publishing. So I was... Uh, Wadsworth. Wadsworth. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was great. I was working down there. And and then I had a boyfriend in the city who worked at an ad agency. And he said, you know, he's like, your job is 
pretty much the same as a job they have in advertising called traffic management. And you're a traffic manager. And I say, tell me more about that. And so he's like, you know, you manage the whole ad process and you become kind of the main point person. And he introduced me to someone at an ad agency who was looking for a traffic manager and they gave me the job. And suddenly I was working in this incredible agency. It was Goldberg Moser O'Neill. It was on Maiden Lane. I mean, what a phenomenal experience to be in my 20s in San Francisco, working at this ad agency with hundreds of people and making these pretty good money. Yeah, I was making pretty good money. I mean, I worked hard. Oh, man. Like, I remember so many late nights taking the bus home. (laughs) This was, you know, taking a cab was out of the question. It was still too expensive. Then again, you could still park. I remember parking downtown for like 10 bucks or something. yeah, those were also good memories of going to uh, the Sheridan Palace after work on Fridays. They had this incredible happy hour where oysters were a dollar and they had a ton of free food. And my friends, we used to call it Chalice at the Palace. Mm-hmm. So we'd, we'd hit the, the Sheridan Palace. Um, I mean, it's funny. And when I was in advertising, I basically saved my money so I could go out. I was either out dancing or out eating. And that was where the glimmers started happening mm-hmm. of my interest in the the restaurant scene. And um, I got I remember. Do you remember Palm Pilots? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I so, had one. Okay, so, I was like super pumped. I um, felt like I was like high tech when I got my yeah, first one. The Palm with a little Pilot. stylus and oh, everything. Yeah, the Palm Pilot like that. For I was, I realized I was just pretty much a data whore back. Right. When. <laughs> I was like, give me the information. So I had so many lists in my Palm Pilot of restaurants. And there was this one newsletter that was great. It was called uh, Sidewalk. And it was by, I think it was MSN back in the day. And I remember getting, I was I would wait for that newsletter to show up because they would have these great little tidbits about. This is a paper newsletter that would come through like mail? It was actually, or it was actually email. It was, it email. was an early one. Wow. Yeah, it was an early See, I one. I wasn't emailing it. I wasn't emailing in 94. Oh, well, this was post 94. So okay. this, this would have been around like 97, 98. Okay. Because I, I remember getting the sidewalk newsletters when I worked at a smaller boutique agency. Oh, so on the career life path thing, I ended up... Um, making the transition from being a traffic manager to a copywriter. They realized I was a frustrated writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was constantly copy editing all the ads. I would always fix typos. And uh, I, working at a smaller boutique agency, I was, able, I was doing two jobs, basically, as traffic manager. And then that was when uh, banner ads were first coming out. And mm. none of the copywriters wanted to write those ads. They're like, we just want to do ads and TV. And I said, well, I'll write them. So... I kept writing those and then eventually they gave me a print ad. I was like, ooh, this is great. And then I was partnered up with an art director and we were kind of the the one-off girls. We'd come up with these crazy ideas. We didn't really know it back then, but it was these were more like guerrilla marketing and influencer marketing and lifestyle marketing concepts that we were doing, but there wasn't really a name for it at that time. Uh, but we were, yeah, always the one-off girls. And they called us Marcillery because her name was Hillary. <laughs> okay. and we both wore bright lipstick and we had curly hair and we were just kind of, we are just kind of, we were kind of wild. <laughs> we were, we were always, you know, we're in our 20s. We're always going I out. I can picture this. Okay. I can picture you this. Can see yes. Yeah, we were having a good time. I see time. the energy now. Yeah. And, uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the energy doesn't seem to dim. Right. Um, but, <laughs> so... As Marcillery, we were having an amazing time together, and then Dot Bomb went off. Mm. And that was in 2000. I got laid off on December 17th, 
which was hard. Uh, we had been told that it was, you know, critical time. The agency gave us a big meeting. I remember, and they said, "Okay, we're no one is going to get laid off. We're going to be, you know, talking into the beginning of the new year." And then, what do you know? Mm. We got laid off a week before Christmas. Mm. Oh my god, I was so upset. Um, it was really scary. I'd never been without work. Um, it was it was a challenging time, and I remember thinking about it. And then Hillary had been freelance before, and she said. She used to call. She called me Gags, even, even though my last name's Goliardi. But she's like, "Gags, we can do this." And I said, "All right, let's try it." So we formed Marcillery and Company, and we were a creative partnership and a freelance team. People would hire us to come in, uh, do ad concepts for them, copywriting events. We did, and that was when we were doing some really cool stuff with guerrilla marketing for like electronic arts, and mm-hmm. um, we were having a good time. But then eventually, you know, it just started getting harder and harder and harder to find work because companies, what's the first thing they cut? You know, marketing right. budgets, ad budgets. And then eventually she was moving to Los Angeles. And I was like, well, how are we going to work? Well, she's down there. I'm up here. And I just realized, I'm like, I need to follow my life passion and my heart. And that was restaurants and writing about restaurants and trying to figure this out. So how did you like, how did you know that? Mm. I mean, were you like, yeah, yeah, I'm just so yeah, curious. Yeah, I'm like yeah, finding was, your passion, yeah, like how, how you realize that I, mean, I was consuming I mean that was back when Gourmet Magazine was around and Bon Appetit I was just reading so much food media and anything I could get and especially in San Francisco we really didn't have a very big print landscape I mean San Francisco Magazine you'd have the Chronicle you would have you know back then Sidewalk and then that folded Uh, where else would you get food news I mean it was it's crazy to think it was pre-Yelp and you didn't have uh, yeah there were some food blogs that were percolating along but I I realized I said you know I want to write about the places that I don't see anyone writing about I didn't see people writing about many of the little hole in the walls and cafes and nobody was writing about bars and it just seemed like there was this huge void I'm like there are all these places I love to go to and uh, it's funny I remember um I think it was it was Daily Candy that was coming along, and I looked at that, and I said, okay, from my advertising days, I figured out, okay, that's a good model. That's a good advertising model, because it's an email, and there's a higher premium for advertising and emails than on a website, and I there were other blogs. I'm like, I don't want to be a blog. I want to do something different, and so that's when I came up with this idea of doing a food newsletter. Um, but Partially what spurred that, though, of this whole do it my way, is I would pitch magazines. I would write ideas of things I wanted to write about, and they would never write back. It was so hard. I was like, how am I going to do this? And Mm -hmm. I was really lucky. Uh, I knew someone who wrote for City Search, and I pitched them some ideas, and they gave me some assignments. So first, I remember I did a couple bar reviews. I was like, oh, this is great. And they'd pay, they'd pay like $45 to go review this bar. And then I think they'd you, cover one drink or something. Yeah. Do you remember your first review? Like <sighs> what it was, where it was any details about that? Oh man. Or putting it out there and like reading it for the first time. With I that? would have to dig that one up. It was, I think it was a gay bar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that would probably be something I would do. Um, 
Yeah, it was funny. They were. It was definitely more on the, the cocktail side. Okay. I have to go find those. That'd be funny. I'll have to go look at my old Microsoft Word archives. Yeah, you should. You should put that out in Table Hopper. Yeah, I as think like, you're right. This my is my first, first article on right. like some special occasion or something. I love it. Okay, that's funny. Um, and then listen, they eventually let me write a few cafe reviews. And then I remember when I got to go, you know, do my first restaurant review and and city search was great because they would uh have you book under a different name i was able to get a credit card in another name and they reimbursed you for your expenses and this was incredible to me i'm like whoa i'm getting paid to go out and eat this is crazy yeah uh, so they're paying for the meal and then on top of that they're paying uh, you it was a small fee yeah. but i was just happy to have my meal paid right. for um and to be able to write about it and even though it was like a 200 word format, I just, I remember loving, like tweaking every little word and every thought and, and writing about food. And so it started picking up some momentum and then I found out, so you know that magazine, Wear magazine, it's in every, Mm-mm. it's in most hotel rooms when you travel somewhere, okay. you'll see where. And I had found out their food editor was leaving and my friend knew the editor in chief and he said, Marcia, you should go in there and introduce yourself I'll help you and you should you know write for them and he helped me adjust my portfolio so it was uh, me writing reviews in the voice of, of where so I wrote these I, that was a very very um, in-depth pre-meeting mm-hmm. a presentation I put together I, it's so funny I think I wrote like four reviews of if I was the writer for where mm-hmm. and I remember going in there and talking to the editor-in-chief and she said um, okay, this is all great. So do you really keep up on restaurant news? I'm like, absolutely. And she said, okay, well, um, here's the thing. We need something in like five or six days. Can you do it? And I looked at her and I said, no problem. I walked out. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And you know, I needed to turn in, it was for their hot tips dining column. And I had to turn in like 10 snippets of news about openings. And so what I did was I found out who all the restaurant publicists were in town. And there are a lot of big ones here in the city that have multiple clients. So I wrote to them and I introduced myself. Hi, I'm the new writer for Wear Magazine. Uh, I would appreciate, you know, any news, tidbits, updates, menu updates, anything you want to send my way, uh, please send them along. Well, I had no idea of the Kraken. (laughs) It was like, release the Kraken. It was bonkers how much mail I got. Mm. And all of this information and that's when things really started I suddenly was like inundated with all this information and then you start realizing there's this whole world around restaurant PR that people don't realize mm-hmm. um, a lot of restaurants have publicists they send you you know the information beforehand they invite you to come into the restaurant usually within the first month to go check it out anyway um that was when things started moving, and so then I started formulating this idea for the newsletter, and I started writing a business plan, went to the Small Business Development Center in the city. And what, what year is this? This what? was like 2005. Okay. Yeah, 2004, 2005. Okay. And yeah, the SBDC, Small Business Development Center, was great. Uh, hooked me up with someone to help me look at my business plan, and... Uh, you know, I, I have an entrepreneurial spirit and I really wanted to create something that was going to have a specific voice and a 
well-designed presentation. Design was very important to me. I hired a designer to, you know, create my brand identity, to create the template for Table Hopper because I'm just so tired of ugly email all the time. You know, sometimes you get things in the mail, you're mm-hmm. like, oh man. So I wanted something that was friendly and pleasing and yeah. Uh, How'd you come up with the name? You Table know, Hopper because it is, I think it's a perfect, perfect thank name. Thank you. It was a lightning bolt moment. <laughs> it really was. Uh, I being of, you know, well, having an advertising background, I've done naming before and I've really enjoyed the process of trying to name things. It's funny. I even had like a random list in my Palm Pilot of, you know, restaurant names I would have if I right. ever opened a restaurant or, you know, it was just, I don't know. It's something I enjoy, but I remember I was working on my business plan, but I was really sick. And I was feverish, and I was, I was like, God, I just need to lie down. And I said, okay, Marcia, if you're going to let yourself take a nap, you need to kind of think about your business, though. Think about your name. So I remember in this feverish haze, I was like lying on my bed just thinking, I'm like, who am I? You know, what What am I? And I started thinking, this is where my brain went. First, I was like, I'm kind of like a girl Friday, you know, girl in the town, table hopping, and then suddenly I was like, oh my God, table hopper. And I, I like I let out this whoop. I totally like shouted. Yeah. <laughs> and I ran over to my computer and you know, went to register.com and looked and it was available. Oh. Couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, buy it now. <laughs> um, so that it's funny. I'm waiting for that moment because as I was saying, I'm like trying to start up an event production yeah. company and that's where I am now trying to think of a name. Yeah. And like that moment you just described. It'll is come. like the moment I'm dreaming about. Because I want ha- this to be, ha- be over. I'll be happy to help you with some <laughs> yes, names. Yes, please yeah. do. <laughs> I, uh, run some by me. I know some people are running a restaurant name by me right now. Okay. Uh, it's tricky because it, yeah, you want something that is easy to remember, easy mm-hmm. to spell. I mean, now it's crazy because so many names are taken. People like, yeah, that's... make all these names. Right. You know, but I, I really think the most important thing is if someone hears it, they need to know how to type it into a search box. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also it needs to, it needs to be evocative. I was very, very lucky, but I really think there are, there are other names and things out there. Like I had this small side venture that I put together and it ended up not working out, but that was called deep dishing. Mm. And that one was another name when it came to me. I was like, how is this not taken? I mean, mm-hmm. they're out there. So yeah. don't worry, you'll yeah, find yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I came up with the name and I, I even knew the colors I wanted, I remember seeing this Vanity Fair cover and it was uh, red type with this blue background, and I loved it. And I remember going to my designer. I said, "Okay, these are the colors I want." Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I am a very visual person, and I'm lucky that I had this advertising background. I was able to parlay into creating Table Hopper. Uh, when I first sent it out in two, February 2006, um, I think I sent it out to about 350 people. Did it take off immediately? I mean, did you start growing and yeah, word of mouth get out there? It was like crazy. Right away? Yeah, I think as word started spreading, and this was you know pre Twitter and everything too, but it was it was word of mouth, and people who work in the restaurant industry are notorious gossips. I mean, the amount of conversation that goes on in the restaurant industry is uh, people talk, and so it helped a lot with getting the word out for, uh, for Table Hopper and. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, it's funny. Some people refer to me as a friend of the industry. Um, I, I 
I think I'm very measured in how I I look at restaurants and how I see these people working really hard mm-hmm. to create something, and the hours are just oh my god, these people have no lives. I mean, chefs chefs have no lives. Yeah, and the all this time on your feet. I mean, it's backbreaking work. And yeah. you know, general managers, oh, I don't even know how they do it. So. Yeah, so you've, you've touched on two things there that I'd like to mm-hmm. like exp- expand yeah. upon a little bit further. And the first one is how you find out all this information, mm. right? And Those so are you, trade secrets. Yeah. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> and you can tell me as much as <laughs> yeah, you'd like, yeah. but I mean, what what do you do for like research and, mm-hmm. and how do you try and like get these breaking like stories out before everybody else? I mean... How, a lot of it. Happen? I mean, it is relationships. It's a lot of it. I've, I'm lucky. I've lived in San Francisco 20 years and I know a lot of people and a lot of people know what I do. And so I have tipsters all over the city and my readers are phenomenal. Yeah. They're so So you dedicated. have a lot of information coming to you yes, now. Yes. Thank God. Uh, I can't be everywhere. I try, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know, I'll have someone in Noe Valley that they'll give me a little update or someone's like, Hey, I was walking downtown. People send me pictures all the time to my phone. Um, and these are just, you know, civilians. Mm-hmm. And then you have people within the restaurant world who also feed me information. And I never, ever reveal my sources, ever. So someone can tell me something and they know that I will, ne- like, <laughs> you'd have to really, I don't, I don't know, you'd have to waterboard me to get some <laughs> secrets <laughs> out. Um, and even then I won't tell, no. But um, I take, I take uh, confidence very very seriously Mm -hmm. and if people are going to place their confidence in me to keep things quiet and um and it's also funny because sometimes people tell me things and they're like don't you know don't say anything about it yet i'm like you just tell me when i'm kind of a vault Mm -hmm. that way um that's good you know i'm sure once you once you go through like a cycle of that with people with them kind of telling you something Mm -hmm. And then they realize you didn't like yeah. gossip about it. Then, then you're good. And sometimes I lose stories that way because then someone else will hear it and someone else will write about it. And ultimately, I I can't sit there and like always be chasing that because right. for me the relationship is ultimately the most important thing. And yeah. I don't want to burn somebody. Sometimes I have to put some pressure on. Be like, hey, I heard this. Yeah. You know, can you? confirm <laughs> or maybe you have no statement but I gotta run it so yeah. there's just some stories I stumble across uh, and I have to run them but so, yeah so that's the other thing I want to expand upon is like these relationships mm-hmm. so I, I can clearly understand you probably form some very like great friendships and relationships with people that are in like the restaurant community a lot of like people who own restaurants and like chefs mm-hmm. as, as well so does that ever is that ever tough? I know you write mostly like you say you don't like to like slam people, mm-hmm. but have you ever had to give like a critical review or like negative news about somebody you had a close relationship with? And, yeah. <laughs> and could you, I mean, if, yeah, if, if you're okay sharing that. Yeah, like, totally. Um, I mean, so my rule of thumb for my reviews that I write on Table Hopper is in my mind, I always think, would I send a friend there? And if I did, what would I tell them? Mm-hmm. So that is always my guideline in my mind. And ultimately, if I have too many caveats about a place, then I, I won't. If I won't send a friend there, then I won't write about it. But in the spirit of sending someone somewhere, I'd be like, okay, well, these things were done well. These things not so much. And so, 
it's it's hard because I you know I don't like to be negative. I, I'm a very positive person in life. I like to be very enthusiastic. I get fired up on a lot of things. But yeah, sometimes you're like, hey, this was over seasoned or, you know, this was overcooked or that didn't taste very fresh. And I have to call those things out in the spirit of mm-hmm. um, honesty. And I take it very seriously. Um, but, you know, sometimes I just opt not to write a place up. So I remember one night I was out with some friends having drinks and there was a chef at the bar and we were talking and. And he's like, you know, you never wrote me up while I was at, you know, this restaurant. And I said, no, I didn't. And he's like, you came in twice. I was like, yeah, I did. And he said, so what was it? And I said, you know, the food was really inconsistent. I said, I love you as a person. And there are some dishes I really love that you do. But it just sometimes, it, you know, it just wasn't quite there. And he's like, wow. OK. You know, <laughs> he just like looked at me and yeah. I said that. I'm sorry. I really want to be excited about a place, so I'm going to write about it. Right. Um, I've had some chefs. Oh, another. It's funny the things that happen, you know, after two o'clock over drinks. But um, another chef, you know, he kind of told me, he's like, you know, when you wrote about our restaurant, like, you re- it really hurt. He's like, there were some <laughs> things you said that, like, damn, Marcia. And, <laughs> and I was like, why does it take all these drinks for you to tell me this? I was like, well, Make it better. I'm sorry. You know, this, I, I'm doing this in the spirit of mm. betterment and improvement. And, you know, and I could be totally dead wrong on something, too. But this is just my opinion. Granted, I eat out six nights a week. Um, I pay a lot of attention to a lot of things. And I think I really, I know good food. And when it's not hidden, you know, I, I like to give places time as well. Uh, I, I re- tend to review places a little bit later because I think a restaurant needs at least a few months to really grow into their shell and get into their menu and their format and their style and their flow. And I really enjoy seeing a place evolve. And I mean, it's funny, just a review I wrote up, um, Californios, which is in the mission, I went there on a preview, you know, it's like their first week of being open and there were a lot of things wrong and the food was kind of baffling to me and there were just, there were all these things that were odd, but there was something there because I had been to the chef's pop-ups before and I knew he was a good chef and I just gave it time. I gave it a lot of time actually. I gave that place six months Mm. and then I went back and the, the experience was so different and I was so excited to write about it. Cause I was like, oh man, like this is on. And hey people, bah, 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 like, you know, let's sound the trumpets, go here. This is great, support this. So it, it is that thing about giving places time. And I know a lot of, there's a lot of pressure for, you know, people wanna know what's new and where to go eat and what's hot. And I am guilty of that as well for fanning those flames. But when it comes down to me writing a review of a place, I really like to, maybe you know mention the opening and table hopper and cover it maybe go for the first week so i can tell people if they ask me oh hey what did you think about this or that and i'll be like order this get that but then ultimately when it comes down to writing the review i like to wait and and really see a greater expression of the restaurant and its personality um so yeah it's so funny to me when people bitch about a place i was like when did you go they're like oh i went the first week i was like what are you thinking come on 
You know, yeah. that, that entire, like the server team is probably going to completely change over. Um, you know, some sous chef's going to get laid off. Line cook wasn't cutting it. I mean, bartender's going to leave. It's just things shake out and then the restaurant hits their stride. Some places are amazing out of the gates, though, like Melissa Perillo's Octavia. Whoa. I mean, I ate there after, I think they'd been open a week. Mm-hmm. And you're like, damn, you know, you really know what you're doing. And so, yeah, some places really just magically come together from a lot of talent and skills and experience right. but some places need time so when i go to table hopper mm-hmm. right there on the front page you always have a list of 10 places to eat now mm-hmm. um the top five are abv brenda's meat and three californios which you've already kind of uh-huh. given us a little bit of scoop on chubby noodle marina and coxcomb um, which I've realized how out of the game I am because I haven't been to any of these places yet. Oh. And I especially need to go to uh, Chubby Noodle Marina because it's yeah, like right do. down the hill. But can you maybe highlight at least a few of those that yeah. you're like really excited about and would recommend people I mean, go to? I love, uh, so ABV in the Mission on 16th Street, they are doing a great job because that kitchen is open, oh my God, I think it's till one every night. And... It's just like some of the best bar food in the city and the cocktails are delicious. And they're also open earlier in the afternoon. I, I think it was just a place that was really needed. Um, so I have I have a lot of fun there. I think I ate there like five times before I wrote my review. Yeah, I could tell you really loved that place when I read through it and it made me want to go there yeah. and check it out. Yeah, I, I, I like, um, I mean, the chef, Kevin Chimino, like he's over delivering, especially when you look at the quality of the ingredients and the way that he really handles his food it's um there's a lot of depth to it and a lot of craft and it's still like everything's like 10 bucks so god bless it um let's see so we talked about california so oh so chubby noodle marina oh man like that that food that's just fun food and yeah. the do, name is i mean the name oh, says it I all know, i know <laughs> i know those guys are crazy but um they do this bonkers uh weekend brunch it's like all you can eat dim sum for 90 minutes and it's it's a scene in there it's so loud but i brought my cousin and her fiance and my sister we had a blast i mean but you you are in a definite seal like state when you're done you just want to go lie down right <laughs> um but yeah i i'd say definitely check that one out um and let's see coxcomb i have always thought that that particular location was so beautiful in South of Market. Gorgeous building. And I was really happy to see some new life um, come to the space. They have a great raw bar. Um, you know, it's definitely on the meatier side, but I think it's like fun food to get some friends together with hearty appetites mm-hmm. and and go dig in. Um, you know, Chris Cosentino is quite a, a personage and character in the city. But I feel like he's kind of moved into more of his kind of authentic cooking there that uh, makes him happy. So, yeah, that's been a fun one. I'm happy to see how busy they've been. Um, let's see what else do we have. We talked about California. So. Uh, Brenda's meat oh, and Brenda's. three. Brenda's. So evil. I still haven't been to like her original, uh, the original one, one, which, one is, which is nuts. Okay. Well, now you can go to meat and three. Um, so Brenda, that's like dangerously a block from my apartment. Oh. And... Again, this was another place that was a great location, like the space. It was this old little diner, but it was never quite utilized as I thought it should have been. And I was so happy that she got the space. 
what's great is as someone who, let's say, yeah, I have a spontaneous night where I want to just go grab a bite. They have a, a perfect little bar so you can sit there, get your gumbo. Um, for lunch, okay, this sounds so wrong, but, and it is, it is wrong. It is wrong, but it's really good. <laughs> um, she does this pimento cheese and fried bologna sandwich. Mm. Okay, good. That's a good response. <laughs> I remember when I, when she told me about it and I said, oh man, I want to eat that. Um, it's dirty, but yeah. you know, if you're a little hungover, let me tell but you, it's good. that is like, that's the ticket. But yeah, it was funny when I wrote about it in my review. I remember someone wrote to me they're like, that's disgusting. You're not promoting, you know, healthy eating and, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, you know, you cannot be like completely sanctimonious all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to eat. Sometimes you just want to eat something that's good. And like, I feel like I eat healthy like 80% of the time, okay. but then like 20% and sometimes I it's got to be dirty. Yeah. It's got to be dirty. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and I, I like to encourage people to explore that. I right. Mean, you know, like the other night I was eating, oh, man, the, it's the dry fried wings from Santung. Oh, so, okay. So that, those are the best wings I've those ever had. And, really, and I tell everybody that I'm like, ridiculous. you have to go over there. They're ridiculous. And, and that, that, that sauce, it's like that honey crack sauce. And yeah, you know, I, I, I also think that place is such a great example of, um, how, if you have great food, like that's all that matters because I feel like that yeah. is the, like, there's no atmosphere no. in there. The service sucks. <laughs> It's jam packed <laughs> every on. time. Yeah, you you're, you're like you just get a spot at a table like with yeah. a bunch of other people. Yeah, but it is so freaking good yeah. you that you don't care. On yeah, yeah. It's, and, and and it's fun food with friends too. Yeah, um, yeah. I I enjoy that place. So yeah, I think I you know I appreciate my California ingredient sensibility and some you know beautiful greens and I eat plenty of kale. But on the flip side, I think, you know, it's, yeah, sometimes you just, you just got to go to the dirty place. Right. <laughs> I respect that. Uh, <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, like I said, I'm, I'm not a snob. I don't always like to be highbrow and yeah. I can get down with a fried bologna pimento yeah. cheese sandwich. No problem. <laughs> right. So one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, I'd love to ask Marcia where her favorite restaurant in San Francisco is, but I knew you would hate that. Uh. You know what I mean? Cause you probably get that all yeah. the time and it's so hard to choose. So, yeah. So I thought instead what I would do is kind of describe some scenarios to you okay, and say in this scenario, like where's maybe a place you'd recommend or like one of your favorite places to go. Well, this so, is a lot like what my book was. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, Perfect. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, let's do, let's go through this little exercise. Okay. The first one I have for you is I like to go dine solo at the bar. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite like things yeah. to do on just like some random weekday, like walk in, sit at the bar, have a good totally. meal, maybe a few like drinks. And, uh, so I wanted to get your opinion. Yeah. Like where are some of the best places in the city to dine at the bar solo? Well, one of my favorites whenever I get like, as I call it a, a night off, uh, I love to sit at the counter at bar tartine. Mm. Uh, I just think the whole experience there is, it sounds weird, but I, I consider it nourishing. Mm. Um, okay. I've been there once. Okay. The food they're doing now, like I think it's so exciting because it's, there's so much work that goes into it. And, there's a real perspective about health and the food and the ingredients. A lot of things are fermented. Uh, it's just, it's like this ultimate craft cuisine of what they're doing. Their love of vegetables. 
um, their love of old foodways. I mean, I it's totally specific and unique unto them. And everything from the beers that they serve there to like these beautiful wines, you always feel like you're home. Um, I just, I, that entire experience, I walk out of there on cloud nine and I remember I was riding my bike home the other night from dinner there and I didn't feel gross. Like I just, yeah. I felt nourished. I felt like I'd had really clean, delicious, inspiring food and was able to ride my bike home and not feel like I was in a coma. Um, another fun one, I think just to be able to slip into the counter is SPQR, mm. uh, because Oh man, if Shelly Lindgren is in there that night, you are stoked. Yeah, but they don't have much. They have a whole little hard, wine bar area. Okay, so there's enough seats there oh, to yeah. like, okay. Yep, the wine bar and uh, by the kitchen too. Okay, we'll have to try that out because that's right over the hill as well. Yeah. I've eaten, I've dined there at a table before, but I've never done the bar. Yeah, I I really get a kick out of uh, that experience. And okay. especially if you're by the kitchen because it's like this tiny little galley kitchen, you know, and... I think, um, yeah, Matthew's food is always changing. Um, it's always evolving. And I, I enjoy that experience of, of seeing that you never know what you're going to get. And okay. it's going to be exciting. Totally. Okay. Yeah. Let's say, so scenario number two, let's say I need to impress a girl. Marcia. <laughs> you know, we, we've been on one date for drinks. I think she's phenomenally beautiful. She's just like so, so about me, but I've somehow convinced her into a second date to dinner and I want to take her someplace awesome, but not like too over the top. Um, what do you think about that? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you're like, you're like, you're like a doctor there, like trying to do a diagnosis. You're, you're, you're analyzing this. I I love it. (laughs) I know the doctor is in. Um, so one, I mean, for me being half Italian, like Italian food is really sexy to me. Yeah. And, I think uh, one thing that would be kind of fun is to take her to a place that's maybe a little bit off radar, but yeah, really good. I like this. So I think uh, 54 Mint mm, is a never, great spot because it's, so it's right behind uh, the old Mint. And it, it had a little bit of a rough start in the beginning when it opened, but they have a Roman chef there, Mattia, who's doing such a good job. And I swear, if you guys order their Cacio Pepe, yeah. I mean, you're, she's going to be out for another date with you for yeah. sure. Uh, <laughs> I'll be able to finagle a third date. Yeah. Huh? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and you might be taking her to breakfast somewhere yeah. too. There you go. Um, <laughs> now, you're, now you're talking. <laughs> so, um, the wines, I mean, I love Gian, Gianluca Legrotalie who, uh, does their, their wine program there. I mean, he's so passionate about serving these beautiful wines that m- maybe would have never even tried before. Um, their lamb chops are really good. I mean, if you really want some authentic Roman cuisine, that place has it going on. Okay. And yeah. So I will I add that to my list. Okay. I've not been can, there. That was not on my radar. So okay. that's, this is All great. Right. Yeah. And it has a nice atmosphere. If it's a warm night, they have a little patio outside. You guys could start with an aperitivo, you know, hang out, have some salumi and then go, go inside for dinner and Excellent. yeah. Cacho Pepe. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I like it. What about, um, so, you know, a lot of these big restaurants, you know, like, like the Nopas or, um, rich table or someplace like that state bird. I mean, you can't get reservations of these places like more than like, you know, a month out in advance, mm-hmm. but sometimes like, I don't know, I have some friend that comes in town or I want to get together with another friend and it's kind of like a last minute thing. Yeah. Where are some places that I still want to go 
get a great, have a great like California, like a like quintessential meal. But I don't need a reservation or I can walk in and get a table more easier, mm-hmm. more easily. Well, I mean, one thing I tell people is cancellations happen all the time. Okay. And if you call a restaurant and you find out like, hey, when do you do your reservation callbacks? And, you know, sometimes it's like around two, three o'clock. So you can find out when people are getting confirmations and get your, you know, call around then and be like, hey, has anything opened up? Um, so that's one tip. I, it's so funny. When people don't see something on open table, they immediately assume it's booked. And I was like, did you call? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like, yeah. I won't go past Great. open table. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I always say like, you got to call. Okay. And um, one of my game plans is often, like, if it's going to be a popular place, I try to think of a spot that maybe has a bar nearby. Mm. And then you can go... And, you know, so it's like you make it a one-two kind of thing. And there was a whole section in, in my book. It was the Table Hopper's Guide to Dining and Drinking in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I had a whole chapter on places to go for a drink and then go eat. Mm. Um, so, I mean, one place that I really enjoy and I think it sometimes gets a little bit off the radar because it's in Noe Valley is Contigo. Mm. Um, I haven't been there yet. That's a great spot. They have a really fun format for, you know that you could eat with friends it's communal food everything comes out like in little cazuelas out of the oven and they have these flatbreads and then yeah lots of tapas and spanish wine and uh, the quality of the food there is delicious and i think because it's been open for a while um, it just doesn't get as busy um, another really underrated place uh, is blue plate Blue play. Where's that? And that at? is out on mission towards Bernal. Okay. And Blue Plate, the quality of the food there is so good. And it's fresh and they have really affordable wines. And I always have fun there. Uh, it's funny. I remember when that place opened. But they they do a special job and I think um if you get lucky and you get to go sit on that little back patio on the random warm nights that we have in the city, you are fired up. Mm. Uh, and then it's interesting, you know, Commonwealth in the Mission. I've been on my list for so long that I haven't been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, because that's been here for a while yeah. now. And it got, I know it was like so well reviewed when it came out, and I just have not been yet. Yeah. And Jason Fox does a great job. Uh, it's funny. I think people, again, like, I think maybe they just forget about it. It's, yeah. it's on mission. It's got all these frosted glass windows. I don't know. But uh, that's a place that you can try to slip into. And I've also just had some random nights, like, going to Zero Zero. Mm. I, so I love Zero Zero. Okay, yeah, Zero that, Zero's, That's one of my favorites. That play, yeah, and that's a good one at the bar, too. You know, great cocktails. Um, pastas come out nice and hot. Good pizza. You know, with Price is Right. And yeah, I think that place is a lot of fun. So let's talk about your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you live in Western Edition Nopa, is that yeah, true? Or exactly. which one? What, what do you I call know. it? When, well, when I moved to the neighborhood in '94, it was the Western Edition, and so you live in the same place. Yeah, for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's one way to survive as a writer. That's in awesome. San Francisco. Exactly. I call my apartment the Golden Handcuffs. Um, so yeah, but now when Nopa Restaurant opened they created this name for the neighborhood and right. it um 
yeah, it really changed the neighborhood. So I love it. I love it. It's um, it's a great. I live on a great block. I love my building. My sister lives down the street from me. Yeah, yeah. it's one of my favorite neighborhoods as well. Um, I, I'd love to know. I always ask everybody about their neighbor mm-hmm. neighborhood. Like, what are your three favorite things to go do? Um, places to go doesn't mm-hmm. have to be food related, okay. but like just your three favorite things to do or see in the neighborhood. Well, one thing I love, uh, I see my trainer on Saturdays and uh, it's so nice. We used to work out in Alamo Square and now we're in the panhandle. But after a workout to go to the mill and get a cappuccino and I mean, I hate to say it, but the toast? <laughs> everyone loves to talk about yeah. the toast. I but still haven't had it, but Josie I know Baker's about the Josie Baker's toast is so good. And you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't even care if it's a cliche. It's There's a reason people talk about it. It's delicious. Uh, but sometimes I'll just go and get the cappuccino and then go home and make my breakfast. But mm-hmm. I really, I love, I love the mill uh, and the atmosphere in there and the, the quality of what they're doing. And oh my God, if that... Parmesan black pepper bread has come out of the oven and it's on the shelf. I just, I, I want to cry. It's so good. Mm. Um, and then I often bring it home and then it, the whole, my whole apartment smells like cheesy bread. It's so good. Um, let's see another spot in my neighborhood that I love. <laughs> I have this strange addiction for the salad at green chili kitchen. It's mm, there. I can't picture where that is. Uh, Green Chili Kitchen is on the corner of McAllister and Baker. Okay. And it's this Heartland. So they, they have kind of a New Mexico style with what they do, but it's their Heartland taco salad. And it just kind of reminds me of the taco salad you would have when you were a kid with the ground beef mm-hmm. and cheddar cheese and lettuce. But they make this green buttermilk dressing that is phenomenal. And... I don't know, like, I just, I jones for that salad all the time. It's really, like, it's, it's a salad, but it's a huge deconstructed taco, which yeah. is delicious. Um, another thing in my neighborhood, you know, I uh, I ride my bike a lot around the city, and I love uh, Mo- Mojo Bicycle Cafe. Those guys. On DeViz, right? Yeah, yeah, right on DeViz. That place is cool. You know, it's brilliant. Because you can go into the bike shop in the back with the nicest guys, not jerks. They like, I can come in there with just something a little off and they'll just adjust it and, you know, you put a tip in the tip jar and off you go. But if you need to have it worked on a little bit, you can hang out and have a coffee, have a beer. And the thing that they do on Wednesdays, they have the pop-up with Westburger. Have you had a Westburger before? Mm-mm. All right. You need a Westburger. He makes these ridiculous burgers every week it's something different but they're you know very american in style but mm-hmm. he has he's very specific about you know the cast iron skillet he fries them up in and um you know his grind on the beef and his toppings but do not miss it you so, said it's wednesdays wednesdays, wednesdays okay yeah. well i look so i'm a big burger fan okay. as well i love test, right. testing yeah, out yeah, like yeah. different burgers you gotta go get a okay. west burger but yeah mojo, mojo's awesome they, they cover all the bases for me okay yeah so you've been here over 20, 21 20, years, yeah, it'll right? Be, it'll be 21 in September. 21 in September. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever move away from San Francisco? <laughs> I will always keep that apartment. That's for damn sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, I will say, I'm trying to figure this out because whenever I'm in New York, there's this thing in my brain that says, why aren't you here? Mm. And the same bell goes off when I'm in Paris. And, you know, uh, I have an international heart. The hard part is my parents, you know, they live in San Mateo. My sister lives down the street from me. My grandmother is still alive. She's in San Mateo. These things are important to me. And 
also my community here. My life is really fantastic in the city on many levels, but my adventuring heart is calling all the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, maybe I just, I need to let figure out an apartment share and stay in New York for a few months out of the year and definitely go to Paris for a while. But I'm trying to figure out also, it's like, how do I do that? I mean, do I write a table hopper in Paris? Do I do a table hopper in New York? These are things I think about. Right. Yeah. But San Francisco, yeah, she's 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 got me. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. So let's say you make that decision one day to like move away to Paris, New York, okay. wherever. I want to know how you would spend your last day Ugh. in San Francisco before you left. <laughs> that's a tough one. That's it like is. that's just sad. I um, know. Well, when I th- yeah, when I I would cry. It's been a lot uh, of my yeah. last day crying. Yeah, I would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would be in therapy all day. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. I would love to hop on my bike and pedal through Golden Gate Park. I'd love to go get my quirky coffee on at Trouble, just because. Where it's is like, that at? It's right next to Outerlands. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you got. I mean, she's got a whole thing going there. Okay. It's a whole experience. She was the one who started the whole toast thing. Okay. Julietta started. <laughs> actually, yeah, she's the progenitor of the toast phenomenon. Um, she has this thing it's called build your own damn house and it's basically you get a coconut her like crazy cinnamon and texas toast and some coffee but i'm more of an espresso girl anyway it's a fun thing so i would probably like yeah ride my bike out there get my coffee on dip my toes in the water salute maybe find ocean a, beach yep salute a few sand dollars and then i would come back i would get my butt over to swan waster depot sit at the counter get some sass from the San Chiminos, uh, work my way through some oysters and an anchor steam beer and some smoked trout and their little Sicilian fish salad they do. And, um, God, I definitely have to go to North beach and walk around, um, sitting in Washington square park on a bench. Like it's just always a scene there. Uh, my question in my mind is, would it be a Molinari sandwich or, Liguria Bakery tomato focaccia, which I haven't been there. I'll have to check that. Oh, out. You, that is that is something. It is an experience. Yeah, is it off of Columbus there? Um, it is. It's like it's right off the park. Okay, and oh, okay. yeah, don't want to miss it. It's um, and they run out. They run out of the focaccia usually by like noon, so you have to get there in the morning. But I I love North Beach. I would um, I've always joked that if I was going to have to have my last drink in San Francisco, it would be the Cherry Bounce at Comstock Saloon. Mm. It's a very frothy, bourbon-y, champagne-y drink that I love. And I love those guys. I love that bar. Uh, since I'm around Chinatown, I need to get my little Don Tot, uh, little egg custard tart before heading out. I mean, of course, just walking around Chinatown is so great. Mm-hmm. I'd have to get a good view in, so I think since I'm up near Telegraph, um, have you ever been to the top of, oh geez, it's where Julius's Castle restaurant is? Uh, no, it's I haven't. the top of Montgomery. No, I haven't. It is a phenomenal location yeah. because there's this beautiful old um, apartment building with these deco carved panels on the side. It mm. was in, I think, the movie Dark Passage. Oh. Anyway, uh, you'll see the... Um, 
the parrots they usually okay. fly by up there. I'll take and my dad up there. Oh, my dad's always talking about. It. He saw some show about these parrots. Oh yeah, no, there was a documentary. And he's like always yeah. bugging me about it when he comes oh, to you, town. You got to take them up there, <laughs> and they're just these little walkways with homes that are. I mean, it's it's a dream. It's totally like yeah. Armistead Moffin Land. So I would have to go up there and soak that in. Um, I would I would need to fit in some time at Zuni somewhere. Um, I think maybe I'd have to just invite all my friends and we could all have like a big roast chicken dinner. Yeah. And I also couldn't leave the city without the country bread from Bar Tartine or Tartine mm. Bakery. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And you know what? I would actually have to pick up the bread. I would go to Byrite and get some great wines and cheeses. And then I would swing by Delfina and get a Purgatorio pizza and also get some friends and go to Dolores Park mm-hmm. um, for like late afternoon, hanging out. This is a lot of food, but you know, right. got to do it. Gotta yeah, do yeah, it. last day. And um, I could not leave San Francisco and I'm really hoping that uh, it would be on a Saturday night so I could go to the stud and dance uh, with my friend's party called Go Bang. And Go Bang. Go Bang, yeah. <laughs> And it's it's actually based on this incredible song. But um, yeah, I would have to boogie down and see all my friends at once. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be, I'd say that would be, I mean, of course, I'm going to think of some other things later, but those are some of my favorite places for sure. Sounds like a hell of a last day. Yeah. I mean, I oh, think wait, oh, wait, I can't miss a taco at, um, okay, which one would I do? Or a burrito. Jesus. Um I hate to say it. Yeah, I would do the La Taqueria, the Taco Dorado. Yeah. And have their carnitas with that crazy salsa verde they do. Yeah, I think I would do that. Well, maybe I'd ask a friend to get an Al Pastor burrito from Cancun and just give me a couple bites. (laughs) I have to have a burrito. Or maybe, can I I just bring the burrito with me? Sure. All right. Uh, But I don't think you're going to be eating much the next day. No, no. Your first day at this new place, I don't think you'll be like testing out too many restaurants. I'll be on water. So yeah, I think, think, um, yeah. So as you can see, Marcia clearly knows her stuff. I felt like I really knew a lot about the restaurant scene in San Francisco and and all the places that were out there. But I walked away from the interview with tons of new places to try, and I'm looking forward to going uh, out and checking those places out. So you can subscribe to the newsletter at Table Hopper by going to tablehopper.com. In the top right corner there, there's a big red arrow that says subscribe today. Just click there, put in your email address, and you'll get these emails, uh, the email newsletter every Tuesday at 3 o'clock. You can also follow Marcia on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at Tablehopper. If you want, really want to see some delicious pictures of food on a regular basis, I definitely recommend uh, following her Instagram account there. You can read more about Marcia and get links to everything we talked about, including all of her recommendations in NOPA and throughout San Francisco at the San Francisco People website. That's sfpeoplepodcast.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at sfpeoplepodcast. And I would love to hear ideas you have for future guests on the show. If you have someone in mind, send me an email to frank at sfpeoplepodcast.com or tag them with the hashtag sfpeople on Twitter. I'll be following those to get ideas for uh, future shows. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks. I'm Frank Garza for San Francisco People. This is Mac DeMarco. 
Thank you so much for tuning in, brother. <laughs>